Design New Podcast, Episode 37. If you are stressed, stretched, and stuck, and ready to take your life to the next level, reach out to me for a free 30-minute strategy call to see what steps you can implement right now to design your best life. Email me at connect at tinamurray.com and let's create your own unique blueprint to lay the foundations for that life that you really want. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You Podcast, where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to growth, and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Hi guys, Tina Murray here. Today I'm welcoming to the drawing board Sean Douglas. Sean is a US Air Force veteran, a TEDx speaker, master resilience implementer, international radio show host, performance enhancement expert, and an author. His why? He's a suicide survivor who hit rock bottom with no purpose or passion. He believes that we were all created for a purpose, and once we unlock our true potential, we will elevate our lives, and this is why he founded the Success Core. Sean equips people with the tools necessary to live epic lives and leaves people better equipped to manage change effectively. Join me as I chat with Sean about how we can arm ourselves for resilience. Hi, Sean. Welcome to Design New Podcast. How are you today? I'm feeling a little under the weather, but but, you know, I'm here with you and I think it's going to be a great time. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for joining me, even though you're not feeling particularly well. There's nothing worse than having to step up when you're not feeling like that. But <laughs> I, I love your perseverance, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was traveling. Uh, I was traveling all day yesterday because I was speaking at an awards banquet uh, from Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. and I just I don't know. I felt like uh, maybe I got to cut catch a food poisoning, or I don't know what I got. But uh, I'm feeling okay. Got some soup, so I'm good. Yeah, it does zap your energy. But anyway, we'll see what we can do to get you through this half an hour and um, hopefully you can go home and rest. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about your background, Air Force, obviously. Yeah, so military background. You know, I I, I was raised kind of middle class family in Detroit. Uh, My mom and dad had divorced and then my mom remarried a couple times. And, you know, I just... I never really had a vision for life, never really had a purpose or passion or anything until I got in the military. And, and still it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't like I had this ultimate, like I'm going to save the world because I'm in the military type purpose. You know, it just sounded like a great thing to do at the time. I always had that like, well, this sounds really great to do and I'm going to do that. And then that works out for about two, three years. I'm like, all right, I'm bored. I need something else. Mm. You know, so... And it's about that real connection, isn't it? Because the thing is, while something's yeah. new and exciting and different, then yeah. we can keep that energy up. But the moment we realize, right. oh, this is more of what it is, and if we don't have that passion for it, we're going to burn out. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, totally true. And I kind of felt that way. And then I found alcohol, and that didn't really go well. You know, there's a lot of uh, addiction in my family. Okay. So that kind of took my life down a, down a dark tunnel, you know, and, um, but you know, everything has to happen for a reason, you know, everything that we go through is just preparing us for where we're going to. 
Mm. And that's nice when you come out the other end, but how can people, when they're going through something, like what's that light that can keep you going? Because I, I know you've been in some pretty dark spaces from mm-hmm. what I know of you. So what keeps you going that you don't keep spiraling down or can at least manage it at some point? Yeah, well, your why has got to be at the forefront of everything you do. If you lose sight of your why, then you start losing motivation and also your core values. I tell people to live their brand. Mm. You know, we buy brands for a reason, right? We buy the, the make and model of a car. Why? Mm. You know, like, like I think about this all the time. Like, why do we buy the car? Is it because of gas mileage? Is it because of um, the leather seats? Is it the nice stuff that the car has? You know, nobody is saying, I, I literally, nobody is saying, well, you know, Chevrolet or Ford has great core values and great customer <laughs> service. I'm going to buy their cars. No. It's all about what the car offers, mm. right? It's mm-hmm. all about what the car offers. So they're not, buying, they're not buying the company's core values or what the company stands for. True. They're buying the stuff that they put in the car. Yep. Same thing with everything else. You know, you buy, why do you, why do you go to the restaurant that, they, that, that you go to? Is it because of the food or is it because that you like that the owner believes in, in something, whatever the owner believes in? Like, it's, it's the product you're putting out, right? Mm-hmm. So what I tell people is to live their brand, like live your life every day with your core values and what you put out, people mm. will buy, right? So Simon Sinek has a famous TED Talk. He says, people don't buy into what you do, they buy why you do something. Sure. So what I always tell people, like live your brand. So my brand would be like loyalty, relationships, impact and transformation, Honesty, integrity, God, you know what I'm saying? So when I live these out, people see me, they see the products that I put out and they're like, yes, I want to follow that. No one's buying this guy. Like nobody's buying Sean. They're buying what I'm about. They're buying what they like about me. They're buying the products that I'm, that I'm just offering to the world. Mm. And so I want people to just live their brand, whatever their brand is, whatever your core values are, live those values and money and success will come. Mm. And the thing is, if you live your values, then you're actually building that trust and people are only going to buy from people they trust. They're going to become friends with people they trust. They're going to perhaps marry well, hopefully they marry someone they trust. So, you know, trust is a huge part. And the thing is, we've got a bullshit meter. If we are not being true to ourselves, it comes out in little ways and people pick up on that. So if you're building trust, just being you from the inside out means people are actually going to connect with whatever it is that you're standing for or not. And that's okay if they don't because right. they've got their own their own things. So, yeah, I oh, love yeah, it. Absolutely. And so what sort of, when you're talking about brand, is it only about values or what else is it? Well, you know, people, it's so funny because I, I talk a lot about and speak a lot about business strategy because I've built a lot of successful businesses. Uh, I built four. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm building my fourth one now. But I've had four successful businesses while serving on active duty military, right? Mm-hmm. So when people talk about like, oh, I need branding, I need, they, they instinctively think that, well, I just need a logo. Like I need a logo and a brand. Like that's not, that's not branding. That's just, that's, that, that's just a recognizable item. Like that's not branding. Sure. Branding is literally your core values, right? Branding is like your mission statement, vision statement, your direction you're going to go, the category that your business is in. Cause a lot of times people like I have a friend named Christopher Lockham and 
he talks a lot in depth about category design. He's like one of the forefathers of, you know, founding fathers of category design, you know, and he always talks about how people pull product and they pull company, mm-hmm. but they never pull the category lever. They never say, this is what my business is about. So mm-hmm. branding is all about what you know the business will be about. Mm-hmm. Branding is not just a logo, no. right? It's your core values. It's your mission statement, vision statement. It's what you offer. And there's always three questions I always ask myself when I wake up. I always ask three questions when I'm going to build a business. The first question is, what am I going to do more of than anybody else that's doing the same thing that I'm doing? What am I going to do more of? Mm-hmm. The second thing is, what am I going to do differently than everybody else who's doing? So as a speaker, what am I going to do differently? Mm-hmm. As a business owner, what am I going to do differently? As a podcaster, what am I going to do differently? Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I ask myself is, how will I connect with my customers, with my audience? How will I connect more than anybody else? Mm-hmm. Once you can answer those three questions that starts to pave the way of your branding. Mm. Connection. Talk to me more about that. So people buy on emotions, identity, and needs. They always buy on those three things. Mm -hmm. So people who get out of the military need an identity because for the past however many years, you know, me almost 20 years, you know, I've spent in the military. I need something else to identify with. Mm-hmm. Uh, people buy on emotions, meaning that like when I had my, one of the businesses that I built, uh, my wife and I had an antique store and we got an antique store by buying storage units at auction. Mm-hmm. People don't pay their storage bills, right? Mm-hmm. They take them after about 90 days. They take them. Okay. So here's what happens. We go and buy their storage unit. Then we put it in our store. We figure out what we can sell, what we can't, you know, all that. We go to estate sales, garage sales other auctions, auction houses, whatever, but our money is in those storage units. And so our business was called Vintage Dreams, one timeless treasure at a time. Nice. We never sold one thing out of that storage unit. We sold memories. Mm-hmm. We didn't sell furniture. We didn't sell antique items. We sold memories. Mm-hmm. So I've had people come in and go, oh my gosh, that lunchbox, I had that when I was a kid. How much is that? And they buy something from their childhood. That's what we sold. And we marketed our business that way. Mm. I had guys, I was in San Antonio, Texas. We had guys in Houston that would call us. I had a guy in Houston say, oh my gosh, you have a gas pump phone on your website. He saw my website from all, from Houston and was like, dude, I will buy that, that gas pump phone. I love gas pump stuff. Like, okay, it's priced for 40 bucks, man. Tell you what, you pay me the 40 bucks, I'll pay the shipping cost. He's like, deal. And that guy became a client and then he referred other people to me and other people, you see what I'm saying? So I made a deal with the guy. We, we built a rapport Mm. and he brought in other customers and showed them my website and everything else. So I never did eBay or anything like that. I had a business partner that did all my eBay stuff, Mm -hmm. but I was selling memories. I was selling collectibles. I was selling, you see what I'm saying? Mm. So it's all about how you market it. What, what category that you pull yourself into and I put myself into the moment-making category, the memories that, that people have attached to those items. Mm. Can we do a bit of a memory lane trip with you, with your life sure. that's brought you to, now that you're speaking and inspiring mm-hmm. people to do it, how did that journey start? Yeah, so um, I guess it would have to start in, I mean, I, you know, I was always drinking and everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I said before that, that everything that you're going through is preparing you for where you're going to. Mm-hmm. So I was always drinking and then I started getting in trouble and then it was just, I was, my life was going downhill. 
in 2007, my house had burned down. Um, you know, I moved in with with a girl that I really wanted to be with. Uh, so I, you know, she asked me to move in because I was sleeping in my, in my car Mm -hmm. because I lost everything. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I moved in with her and then eventually we just got together and then we get married. And because I mean, what do you normally do in in a hectic situation? You get married. So that's what we did. (laughs) We get married. So about a year later, um, we got divorced. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it was then that I started contemplating suicide and, and, and fighting ways that I would carry it out. And, uh, on Christmas Eve of 2008, I actually put a gun in my mouth and I was going to take my life because I just, that was, I was an alcoholic. I was ruining relationships. I never had a great, like I literally never had a great relationship with, with any woman at all ever mm-hmm. besides, you know, aunts and uncles, but like a girlfriend, whatever, like just everything always got ruined. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, people surrounding me in the military, you know, they, they wouldn't let me do it. You know, they, they stopped me. They, you know, I had people that called me and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was that moment that, that, cause I never felt valued before, but it was that moment that I did, I did feel valued. People were mm-hmm. like, dude, what are you doing? Like, don't do it, you know? And so I started getting help. I got, you know, therapy and some alcohol, you know, classes, rehab, whatever, and it started really making a change. And then I wrote, I read a book by my mom. My mom gave me a book uh, called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking more on a positive level. I said, well, maybe there's something to this. So I started getting into, into personal and professional development. And as I went through therapy and did my, um, you know, went to chaplain and talked to the chaplains about, you know, faith and whatever else, which I honestly didn't believe in at the time. You know, I started like, you know, maybe there is something more to this life. And then I went to become a drill instructor mm-hmm. for Air Force Basic Training. And when I went down there, I was like, this is it. This is it right now. This is what I've been looking for. I need this. And so it happened. I became a drill instructor and I was really good. And I found something that I really loved. And it unlocked a passion that I never knew existed. It unlocked something. A fire was burning inside me. I never knew before and I was like this mm-hmm. is it that so I dove head first I immersed myself into becoming the best instructor I could be I love teaching classes and training people and and the transformation that took place I love that mm. and then after I left I left there after four years uh, from 2009 to 2013 I left there and became a master resilience trainer for the Air Force and I still do that to this day but had I not gone through that hard time mm. and then learned how to tell my, my story yes. and then got a platform to tell that story on with the resilience program and my show and speaking, you know, all across the country, like I wouldn't be inspiring people. I wouldn't have stepped into my purpose. Like this is my purpose. Mm. This is what I'm supposed to do. You know, so I have to have the hard stuff. I have to learn how to tell my testimony and I need a platform to tell my testimony on. So it had to happen the way that it happened. Mm. I have no doubt that this is your purpose, your passion when you were talking about being a drill trainer, a whole other level. And I know you're, I know you're not <laughs> feeling particularly well, but if you can, yeah. we're coming back to what's your why, like what came mm. out of you, the way you spoke, the level of intensity in which you said that, it's, you know, it comes back to being so intrinsic to you. There's no doubt at all. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell me more about resilience. I mean, you've shown resilience sure. to get to where you are. And um, yeah. how, do you, how do you show people to, how to work through that? 
So resilience is your ability to withstand, recover, and grow through life's adversity, stress, and changing demands. Mm-hmm. So what does that what does that look like? How do I how do I become resilient? And everybody always asks that. Like you just like well, what is resilience? Like how do you? Because people, whether you know it or not, are not resilient. They're just not. You're not born resilient. You're not trained to be resilient. But it's the level of hardship that you endure that mm-hmm. makes you resilient. Mm-hmm. A guy who lives on the street most of his life is going to be more resilient than someone who was raised in a million dollar household and had everything handed to them. Mm-hmm. They're going to be more resilient, somebody living in the suburbs of Chicago, than somebody living in, the, in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So your level of resilience is based on how much crap you have been through and how much you have tolerated, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just your ability to withstand, recover, and grow because you have to – it's not enough just to go through an adversity. It's not enough just to go through a hard time or a hardship. You have to grow from it so mm-hmm. that you don't experience that again. And so you know things like developing an attitude of gratitude, you know, being thankful for the things that you have, you know, living your core values, becoming a mindful person, you know, discovering that because a lot of people are not mindful. You know, so the art of being, uh, the art of mindfulness, and Juliana Ray is one of the most, most expert people I could ever name, and that's not even doing her justice. Expert is not doing her justice. If you don't know who Juliana Ray is, she is an amazing woman who I've learned so much from, and you, I, I suggest everybody just contacts or get in touch with or something. If you want to know more about mindfulness, I know an ounce of what she knows mm-hmm. about mindfulness. This is what she does. She lives mindfulness. And so mindfulness is your ability to be emotionally intelligent, to be aware, situationally aware of someone else's feelings along with your feelings. Mm-hmm. If you're not mindful enough to know that when the energy drops out of a room, if you're not mindfully aware of, of what your actions do to people, what you say, how you think, like... It's everything. It's what you see, hear, and feel on a daily basis. If you're not aware mm-hmm. that there's a trigger that triggers you, if you're not aware that what you say to people are hurtful, if you're not aware, it's just, it's all about being mindful. And I literally, like, since I've produced this skill by learning her techniques and everything else that I've learned through, the, through resilience, I know when someone is not up to, up, up to speed, up to, up to par with with their actions, right? I mean, you just you just know, you're like, dude, you're holding back. And it, it, every coach, coach needs to master the art of mindfulness so they can serve their clients better. Mm-hmm. Because when you are mindful, you know when they're blowing smoke, right? Mm-hmm. You know when they're not being truthful and you know when they're being passionate. Like you said, like, oh my God, I can hear you. I can hear your passion. Like, that's part of mindfulness. It's, it's hearing another person's passion and then relaying back to them, wow, you sounded really passionate about that. Rather than just going, oh, well, that sounds cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which if you listen to a lot of podcasts, like you and I probably listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, we see and hear different ways that people host their interviews. And they're like, wow, really cool. <laughs> so the next question, you know, and you're just like, what? Like you could have expanded on that. You could have been like, wow, well, tell me more. Like that sounds really passionate. You know what I mean? Like, oh. so yeah, mindful is it, being the art of mindfulness is just by its intrinsic nature, 
breeds resilience. Mm, okay. I like that. That's cool. No, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> well played. Well played. But how does mindfulness build resilience? I understand about, I mean, you talked earlier about you yeah. go on your journey to get you to where mm. you are now. And obviously that's part of it because you're mindful that your journey, you can reframe that now and go, you know what? Right. It was crap at the time, but now that I look back, I actually right. appreciate that journey. So yep. mindfulness and resilience, give me more on that because I think that's a yeah. really big leap. Like we understand about being present, about, you know, taking stuff in, taking Oh, it's so much off. more than that. Yeah, what else is it? Yeah, it's so much more than being present. Oh, that's just that's at the tip of the iceberg. So thoughts, feelings, and beliefs drive all reactions. Mm-hmm. How you think about a certain topic, how you feel about it, how you believe about it. I'll give you an example. Have you heard about Tony Robbins being backlashed like crazy? I, I've touched on it a little bit. I haven't got into it, but yes, I have heard. Yeah, yeah. so he, during one of his talks a couple weeks ago, talked about the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And people are just reaching out and just lashing out at him for what he said, mm-hmm. right? And because what they think about that movement and feel and believe about that movement has them so, so fired up, yes. you know, that, that he, I mean, and he even released a statement and like, I mean, he tried everything, but it's those moments that you have to be mindful and you have to be situationally aware, mm-hmm. right? Because thoughts, feelings, and beliefs drive all reactions. If I was presented with the same thing, I would have been like, no comment. Or mm-hmm. I would have been like, you know, that, that's not this type of sort of, um, you know, place and time to talk about that stuff. But if you want to, you know, I'll reach out to you. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But have a, a room full of people, you know, he, even, and I know what he was trying to do. Everybody knows what he was trying to do. But we're so brainwashed by everything we read, by everything that we see and hear, that it's almost impossible for someone to say, you know what, that goes against my beliefs and not lash out. Because apparently today, if someone doesn't agree with you, you're a horrible person and you need to be lashed out against. If someone today doesn't think the way that you think, they must be a liberal or Republican or they must be this horrible person from the backwoods country of Kentucky, like it. Like when at one point mm. did we stop accepting other people's opinions for what they are? Mm-hmm. When did we stop accepting people for who they are and not what they believe in? Mm-hmm. Right? Am I, am I, I mean, really, am I wrong? Because, and people may lash out at me, but it's like, I don't have to believe what you believe, Tina, but we can still be friends. Absolutely. I don't have to believe what everybody in the world believes about whoever's president or whatever's going on in the world or whatever's like, I don't get wrapped up in it. I believe what I believe. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to conform to anybody's beliefs, but my own, mm-hmm. you know, here's, here's what I think about that. Unless you pay me or unless you bear my children, I really could care less what you think about me. <laughs> Do you see, that's a that's, really good. That's it. But that means that to me is showing that you've got a really good self-esteem. And mm-hmm. when we've got a good self-esteem, we understand that our judgments are our judgments, other people's judgments are their judgments, and it doesn't necessarily mean we need to take it personally. Now, my background's mm-hmm. interior design. The number of times 
I put forward designs for people. Oh, man. And it teaches you not to take it personally because design is subjective. Someone Mm -hmm. could see something and go, I hate green. And you could have the best design in the world. And if you put exactly the same design and you made it all red, they might like it because it's subjective. So the beauty of that business is it taught me that your opinion matters to you, their opinion matters to them, it's only when you're trying to force that on somebody else when someone's to me has got the right to say, sorry, no, that is offending my boundaries. Don't do that to me, but you can go and do your own thing. It's, yeah, it's so personal. But to me, that's a self-esteem thing that you're talking about. The reason we get oh, yeah. upset about someone's opinion about us is because we're not feeling great. They've triggered exactly. something in us that flares up and we're all human it's going to happen to all of it I'm, I'm not perfect it happens to me too but right. it's that it's that comfortableness with ourselves where it doesn't really matter what the right. other people think you care as you said you need to be mindful you need to understand where they're coming from but it doesn't mean you're a bad person or they're a bad person it just means you're different right yeah if I need some people to like you know how you only have like 5,000 friends on Facebook or whatever right mm-hmm. So if I need someone, like if I need people to like unfriend me because I want more friends or whatever, I'll put out a post just to be funny. I'll just put out a post like, hey guys, I need to free up my uh, Facebook friends. So uh, I love Trump. I hate Bitcoin. And, uh, and, I'll make up, and I'll make up something else. You know what I mean? Just like piss people off. And you should see that people actually leave Facebook. I'm like, wow, this actually works. <laughs> I was like, oh, whatever then. But my real friends are like, dude, you're so stupid. You're so funny. <laughs> like... But every once in a while, you know what I mean? I'll just like, and and I'm not saying that I do though. I'm not saying that I hate Bitcoin or I do love Trump. Like I'm not saying that, but in my post, (laughs) I believe, I believe in God, um, which I do, which I do, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, uh, Trump's the greatest, you know, and uh, Bitcoin sucks. If you like Bitcoin, you suck just on front of me. And people actually do. I'm like, oh my God, you're so brainwashed. Like, this is crazy. But I'm like, whatever. But, but the responses that I get are like super funny. You're like, oh my God, we can't be friends because you have brown hair. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just, but being mindful of, and you said how, how mindfulness builds resilience, but, but being mindful and applying meaning to, to the situation, because you are the only one that have the power to apply meaning. Like you right. do. Nobody else can apply meaning to any other situation. Mm-hmm. you are the one that applies meaning. So if you can apply a positive meaning to every situation rather than go, oh, well, I suck and it's my fault. If that's the meaning that you want to give it, then, hey, that's, that's mm-hmm. what you want to give it. Mm-hmm. But I always apply the meaning. Every bad situation is an opportunity for you to grow, Yes. right? And every failure is an opportunity for you to move forward. Every no is the next opportunity for a yes, mm-hmm. right? Because if we're not growing, we're dying. Mm-hmm. And growth is one of the six basic human needs that we have. And so mindfulness, just being aware of your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs about yourself and about uh, what other people believe builds that resilience muscle because you are actually withstanding and recovering and growing all through that process of being mindful. I'm growing from those moments that I – because you and I both – I'm sure have said something stupid inside of a conversation. Never, right? ever. <laughs> yeah, no, totally not. Like you're like, wow, that's kind of dumb. You know, like you didn't even think about it, right? You're just like, um, oh, I'm just having a conversation, and it, or you guys have a conversation about something, and one person is like, well, I don't think that. I'm like, well, how do you not think that? Like, 
well, what do you mean? You know, or you get into an argument with something like, are you serious? Like, no, come on. It's usually a sibling or something. You're like, oh my God, that was like 15 years ago. Like, why are you still bringing that up? You know, or in a marriage, you're like, why are you still bringing that up five years ago? That was so five years ago. Like we're already past that. Well, obviously they're not. Oh, yeah. So if, so if, if I was to say, like if Tina was like, well, Sean, you're sick. Like, I mean, I was sick yesterday and that was fine. Like, so like if you trivialize the fact that I feel like absolute garbage last night and I'm, and I'm better today, but. But if you trivialize that and go, well, I mean, I was sick. Like, I'm a sick like all the time. Like, I mean, suck it up, buttercup. You know, like, you're not being mindful of the other person's feelings, mm. you know, or what, they're, or, or, or what they're experiencing. So trivialization is a great way to ruin a relationship. But people trivialize things because they're not mindful of what that other person is thinking, feeling, or believing. Mm. Yes, thinking, feeling, and believing. Yep, love it. Where do you believe you'll be in 50 years' time? 50 years. Mm -hmm. Oh my Lord. If I had to guess, which is what I'm actually going to do, I would be 84 years old and probably on stage still speaking in like Madison Square Garden. Whoa, I love it. You know what I mean? Or Scott having out of an airplane. Great. Yes. Because at 84, like I want to feel like I'm old, Mm -hmm. but I want to feel like I still have a lot of life to live. And what sucks is that my grandfather in 2013 passed away at 83. Mm -hmm. And I just lost my grandmother two weeks ago, a week ago. It was like a week ago, not last week, but the week before. Um, yes. And she was like 82. So Mm -hmm. that's not real comforting when you say 50 years from now, we're going to be, I'm like, uh, well, two years ago I would have died. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I'm hoping to make it past 84. Yes. But my whole goal is, you know, I just want to live life to the fullest. Mm. I never want to live a life of regret. You know, I do cheesy things just because, like, I don't, I just, I want to experience everything. You know what I mean? What like, if they were, like, thing? okay, so, like, my wife and I, we, I was speaking in Colorado Springs last weekend, right? And we went to this place called the Garden of the Gods. Amazing place. Mm-hmm. And inside of there, they have this movie that you can go and watch inside of a spacecraft. And then literally you walk into this room, there's screens all the way around. There's like a big tube in the middle with glowing lights, whatever. And this guy gets on there. He's like, Hey, we're going to go on this amazing journey. Are you ready? And I was like, this is like super cheesy, you know? And they had some good, stuff it went from like a hundred million years ago to what the earth looked like a hundred million years ago and i'm like well how do they know if nobody was there (laughs) but anyway that was what i was thinking you're overthinking (laughs) right and then they went to like the dinosaur age and like how colorado was formed and how the world was one big landmass now now it's not and like it was you know it was like entertaining right yep and i was like you know our kids and my wife is like this the whole time she's like really (laughs) really and I was just wanting to experience it. I was like, let's just do it. And because I, I asked the lady there, I'm like, is this like a kid's thing? Or like, do adults do? Like, well, I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, I mean, really. I'm like, well, here's my $12, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, I told, I told the wife, I said, you know, our kids would actually love this. She goes, because it's for kids. I'm like, but if you would have left without doing it, there would have been that one movie thing that you didn't do. And you're like, I kind of want to, you know, I just, I want to experience everything I can, mm-hmm. the most amount that I can do it at, mm-hmm. right? So if I go to Disney World and I'm like super sick with the flu or whatever, like I just don't want to go. 
Like if I'm going to do something, I don't do anything halfway. Mm -hmm. I do anything all the way. So like, I mean, I just, that's, I just, I do it all the way. I, I 100% fully passionate, fully energized as much as my body can handle. And, and my wife's like, you need to slow down because at an event, I'm like on stage, like Tony Robbins. I'm like, no, like the whole time. I mean, I'm just going at it. You know what I mean? And then I sit down, I was just, <sighs> like, I'm just gassed. You sure. know what I mean? I don't know how he talks for that long. That guy's five hour energy. Like that's what he's got to be doing. But I just want to live life to the fullest. And I want to be able to give that passion and energy to someone else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Cause you never know what people are battling with. You never know what people are struggling with. And if I could just be one beacon of light, beacon of hope and go, wow, I, I love your energy and I can energize the room and I can have enough energy to energize the entire room. I've done my job. Yeah. And what I like about that is often people get despondent because they feel like they haven't made a difference. And often we don't know right. who we've made a difference to. You've right. said the one thing that's made someone think about it, or you've given them hope yeah. when there hasn't been hope. You may never hear back about that. You don't know what they right. might tell someone else. You know, I saw Sean speak about this. This might help you right now. So we just have right. no idea what that circle of influence actually is. So the energy you're putting into it, you, you don't know where that's rippling out. Yeah, and you may never hear about it. You may never have someone come up to you because I just talked to like, was like three or 400 people that were there? Mm -hmm. About three or 400 people. And of course, people are going to come to you like, oh my God, that was amazing. Like, dude, that was awesome. Like, oh my God. But you never know who's leaving and go, dude, that was super deep. Like that, that got to me. There's always, and I did this personally for the first, for the first couple of times. There's always someone that goes, like, I literally, it's one guy that looked at me and goes, I got nothing out of that. Like, I'm so confused. I got nothing out of that. I'm like, well, I'm sorry to hear that. What didn't you get? You're like, I mean, I'm already a grateful person. I'm already this, I'm already this, I'm already this. Like, I didn't learn anything. I'm like, well, then that just means that you're awesome. That just means you're an awesome person. Like, that's the meaning that you got out of that. It's not that you were good trying to get anything from me. I just basically confirmed that you're just, you're just an awesome person. He's like, I like it. All right. And then All left. Right. I was like, that's not the end of it. All right. <laughs> but like, somebody will inevitably walk away and go, yeah, that guy sucks. I don't like that. I'm not out to please people. I'm just saying. I'm not out to please people because that's an Im almost impossible task. You will never reach 100% of the person. Yeah. If I could reach the majority though, right? If I could reach one person and change that one person's life, then I've done my job. Yes. Yep. You don't have to influence 100 people. You influence that one person. That one person refers somebody to you. That one person writes a testimonial about you. That one person transforms their life and thanks you and other people see it that gives you authority and credibility. Yeah. Yeah. That one person. Everybody wants, oh, I talked to 5,000 people. I could talk to five people and have the same impact. Yep. And impact is about ongoing. It's not about right now. Because how often yep. do people walk out of a great speech and go, wow, that was awesome. I'm going to go and change my life. And then they get back into their normal life. Nothing's yep. changed. There's only yep. impact. And then three days later. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, so January 1st to January 5th, Gold's Gym and, and Planet Fitness, all the places love yes. their sales. They're yeah. amazing, right? From January 6th to January 10th, Dunkin' Donuts loves their sales, <laughs> right? 
because everybody writes their their you know New Year's resolutions on a napkin. You know, they're drunk and they're like, "I'm going to change my life," and they start going to the gym. Like, transformation sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, this hurts, and I don't like it. And so then they start going to get donuts, and they start going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. So that transformation, that resilience, I think what what we're saying is it takes time, it takes energy, it's going to be hard. Somehow you have to find a way to trust that the journey is going to work out, that there's a reason that you're on that journey. At the end of this year will be the 10-year anniversary of the year that I tried to take my life, 10 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. 10 years ago today, me and me and my wife were, were getting ready to divorce and we're going through all kinds of hardships and like, it was bad. 10 years ago. Mm. Does it feel like 10 years? Yeah. Does it not feel like 10 years? Do you feel Next. like you're the same person? Oh, oh no. Mm. Oh no. No, there's so much growth. Oh my gosh. There's so much growth. I'm a way better person. Yeah. I was not a great husband to begin with. Um, you know, I was... I was kind of the same old person. I was drinking and doing stupid things. And I mean, we were both, we were both immature and we admit that like we were both immature. We didn't know what we were doing, you know, all the stupid stuff, but we've been married for 10 years now. Mm. You know, we got back together. So my wife and I, we got back together and we made a great relationship. You know, I'm not going to say that it's a hundred percent great because we argue about stupid stuff all the time, but we just have an understanding that even though we argue, we're not going to fight about it. And even though we argue about something, we're not going to call each other names like, oh, you're stupid. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, mm, we don't respect. do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't do that. Before, it was like, it was like what I was talking about. Oh, you don't think the way I do? How you're stupid. You know, your family sucks. You know what I mean? Like, hurtful, like super hurtful and hateful mm. and ugh, just garbage. It's, it's interesting though, because I feel that in that time, you've got more respect for yourself. And so it's interesting oh, that it's yeah. playing out in your, your relationship too, that you can have the same relationship or sorry, a different relationship with the same person just because your respect for yourself has changed. And now there sounds right. like respect in that relationship. Oh well. yeah, definitely. When, when we both stopped competing against each other and started completing each other, mm, nice. our relationship completely changed. Yeah, Absolutely. Our relationship changed. Yeah, when I have a lot of respect for myself, because what we try to do, and this again goes to mindful, when we try to bury other people, it makes ourselves feel better. When we put people down, it makes ourselves feel better. When you try to please other people, because it goes against our, it goes with our love languages, mm. right? So mm-hmm. Gary Chapman has a book called The Five Love Languages, right? Yep. So if I'm trying to like bury somebody, you know, I want to feel better. So maybe affirmations would be my would be my love language. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when you can put other people down below you, you're trying to build yourself back up. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, totally, you know, and we both did that and we both competed against each other and we never worked well with each other and, and we were just in a bad place, you know, but after you get help and after you, you know, cause we got back together in 2009. And so, you know, I mean, everything's, I mean, everything has not been 100% great, you know what I mean? But it's, it's getting there, you know what I mean? And I thought that, well, heaven, you know, heaven is marriage and, you know, I've got somebody there all the time with me. I could just hold them and squeeze them and cuddle with them and I will call them George, you know? But no, it doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? You're going you're gonna to get mad at each other. Yeah. You I- know, there's, there's these certain expectations that we have about marriage and once those expectations are not met, 
they're like, well, why did I get in this? Mm. The best thing, the best thing to do is to, is to talk about your expectations, which we never did. The best thing to do is talk about your expectations and what you expect as a husband or a wife, and 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 find out are you able, are you going to be able to meet those expectations? I don't say go in there with no expectations. I don't want to say that. Oh gosh, no, no. You know, but I would definitely say that it's better to go in with an expectation of what do you know? What do I know? What are we both going to get? What, what's our plan? Right. Mm. Boom. Got it. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. Boom. Let's do this. And that's a communication thing, which exactly good marriage is based on. Yep. Exactly. Which we didn't have. Yeah. All right. So last words for the design, your community, what would you tell us? Oh boy. So how I always, how I always, uh, sign off to my podcast is I want you to find opportunities to live your brand which means live your core values every single day. Find opportunities to live those core values that are deep in your heart. What I also tell people is let your test be your testimony and let your mess be your message. Oh, I love it. Say that bit again. That's brilliant. Yeah. Let your test be your testimony and let your mess be your message because life is the only place that you get to test first and the lesson second. Mm. I can't respond to that. That is amazing. Lovely way to leave it. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for taking us on your journey and how your message literally has come from your mess. And thanks for taking that journey on our behalf. (laughs) Thank you for having me on the show. I, I really, really appreciate it. I'm honored. A huge shout out to you for being here, for listening in and being ready to step up to the drawing board. I honor your spirit and your openness to growth. If you have a mate who you think will benefit from hearing today's message, please share this episode with them. Another great way you can support us is to subscribe or to leave a five-star review in iTunes. These reviews really do assist us to raise the visibility of the Design You podcast and helps us to reach Design Yours from all walks of life. I really do appreciate the time it takes for you to do that. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design You podcast. You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, communicate it, and live it.